0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of the Animal Files podcast. Today, we are going to get a bit serious. There is this underlying issue that happens within the veterinary industry that a lot of people don't talk about. And we are going to talk about it so you can know what goes on behind some of the scenes. And today, we are going to talk about why veterinary professionals experience burnout and distress. Yeah. You heard that burnout and distress. And this is especially important coming off of pandemic when veterinary professionals have seen an increase in work. And while we were all sitting home, staying safe, veterinarians were incredibly, incredibly busy because we wanted to have animals and we were going to shelters, we were going to adoption, we were going to breeders, and we were buying a lot of animals because we were home by ourselves in some cases, and we were lonely, and we wanted to provide a home. Well, that meant that our veterinary professionals were incredibly, incredibly taxed in many clinics around the world. So we're going to break this down, talk about it, and it's going to get serious. It's going to get a bit heavy. So stick with us. And, uh, you know, hopefully you'll understand your vet a little bit better. So I'm just going to toss it over to you, Miranda. So let's just get this going.
1: Well, I've got some questions for you guys. First of all, how many of you appreciate and value your pet's veterinarian? How many of you feel an indifference towards your animal's veterinarian? How many of you have high expectations of your veterinarian? And what actually are your expectations of your veterinarian?
0: That's a good one. Mm -hmm. I think we lose sight of their role sometimes.
1: Mm -hmm. You may have read or heard a little bit about some of the challenges these veterinarians are facing, but there's a good chance you also haven't heard anything. I guess it depends on who you follow and what exactly you read will depend on whether you've had access to any of this information. So we're gonna start off with a little bit of information that was provided by a couple of articles about what is going on. According to a 2022 article in Discover Magazine, trauma and stress are leading to mental health struggles among veterinarians and the profession is actually becoming increasingly aware of this issue.
0: Good, veterinarians need support.
1: Mm -hmm. There have actually been studies that are finding that veterinarians cope with a significant professional and personal stress levels and have a higher suicide rate than the general population. That's scary. Mm -hmm. It's also been noted that the US is already experiencing a veterinarian shortage countrywide. So more emotional and psychological demands along with increased workloads are leading to higher levels of mental distress and could also greatly impact the number of veterinarians working in the profession.
0: So it's like a catch-22, mm-hmm. it's like this endless cycle. And then every time the cycle, there's another veterinarian that drops off. Right. And no one to replace it.
1: Right. As of June 2022, there has been new research that has shown that nearly 70% of veterinarians have lost a colleague or a peer to suicide. Wow,
0: that's crazy.
1: Mm. And there's approximately six out of 10 professionals that have sought some type of mental health support. This information was actually offered by the Australian newspaper, The Guardian.
0: So it's not just the US. Right. This is worldwide.
1: Exactly. And my research did not include Information specifically on every single country out there. So there may be some countries that have less of an issue, perhaps, because maybe they're managing it in a different way. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm There is another study that was done by the Australian Veterinary Association that showed that about 67% of vets have experienced a mental health condition at some point. You know, this is a really big struggle. And I wanna add to that this is not solely the veterinarians, it's the veterinary industry. So even veterinary technicians can experience mental distress as well, even though they don't have the same level of responsibility that a veterinarian does, they still have a lot of responsibility.
0: Well, I would have to say it depends on the clinic. Um, My brother has been an emergency vet tech for, gosh, Nearly 20 years, I think. Mm -hmm. And he and his fellow vet techs did all of the heavy lifting. Oh, okay. They were the ones that put the animals to sleep when they need to be put to sleep. Mm -hmm. They were the ones that did all of the caretaking in the clinics because the veterinarians were so busy that they basically came in, spent the 15 minutes, did the things that they did, like drawing blood and stuff like that with the client. And then the vet techs would take over. So I don't Hmm. know if that's just the way the U.S. is uh, or maybe just because he was an ER vet tech. I don't know. But they did all the heavy lifting because the vets were just absolutely bombarded with clients Hmm. and certain organizations I don't know if it's like this in other places, but in the United States, like even human medical professions, these big groups are being formed and created and doctors are only allowed to spend a certain amount of time with the clients because they want to make sure they get a whole bunch of clients in. I don't know if that is the same with the veterinary clinics, but there seems to be some type of, I don't know, similarity, but you also have to realize these clinics are only open for, let's say from- eight or nine to six right and they got to fit all these clients and all these pets in that short amount of time period so right I don't know it's just something to keep in mind that it makes sense that the veterinary technicians would also be struggling with this as well and maybe even more so because of all the animals that they've had to put down in the clinics and you know because they do that Mm -hmm. that's not the vet's job the vet does not euthanize your animal unless you're with the animal in the clinic that it's just they do the work they right do the work.
1: and you know these whether it's the veterinarian or the veterinary technician they get into this field for their love of animals they exactly. want to do the best by them they want to help them as much as possible but with the number of animals out there, the overpopulation, even these organizations that do things like trap, neuter return, it's like that's putting even more pressure on the veterinarians that are involved in those organizations to help with that. So they're trying to do so much to help these animals. And when there also is a decrease of professionals in the field, There's just no way for them to keep up. It's like something has to give. Yeah. And apparently it's their mental health at this point.
0: Yeah. Well, they're being taxed beyond what they should be taxed. Mm -hmm. We need more people. So if you're thinking about going into a different field, maybe thinking about it. If you have the love and the passion and and the wherewithal to do a job as difficult as becoming a vet or a veterinary technician, do so. They need you. Mm -hmm. But just know that's not an easy job.
1: Mm -hmm. And you may think that this information about mental distress in veterinarians is a relatively new phenomenon that maybe it only has occurred in perhaps the last 10 years or something, but it's actually been documented since the 1970s. Wow. It's only now just really coming to light. So that's a long time for it to be occurring and awareness really only having the light shone on it in the last... I don't know, probably five years.
0: Wow. If that. That's probably because we're, you know, we're trying to bring mental health situations to the forefront so people can mm. actually get the help they need.
1: Exactly. And uh, yeah, there's definitely been a big push on that to erase the stigma around mental health challenges and allow people to feel safe to talk about it. And I think that's a big thing to shift Mm -hmm. because there's been so much shame placed around that for so long. So there was a 1982 study done in the International Journal of Epidemiology. Not quite sure how that's connected to the veterinarian industry, but (laughs) at any rate, um, they concluded that even between 1947 and 1977, there was a greater rate of suicide Among veterinarians than the general public.
0: Wow. It's been going on a long time. Yeah. I'm glad we're bringing a spotlight to it. Just so, you know, these people who choose to be in the veterinary industry, these are good people and they need our support. So, by us shining the light, hopefully we can raise these people up a little bit and help, you know, you, our listeners, to really look at them in a different light and Mm -hmm. to give intentionally give them your support yeah, and let them know that you appreciate them, that your animals appreciate them. If they have a good relationship with your animal, you know, thank them, just thank them yeah. for doing what they do.
1: I used to work in a veterinary clinic as a veterinary technician or an animal health technologist was my title at the time. And learning about this actually helped shift my awareness of an experience that I had there. Because I have a strong feeling that what we're talking about today was what was playing a big role in what happened. Mm, Okay. The veterinarian that I was working for, he was the only veterinarian in the clinic. So he wasn't sharing responsibility with any other veterinarians. It was, I guess, a, a small clinic, I suppose. But he was apparently kind of taking shortcuts and not doing things Exactly the way that the veterinarian association said he was supposed to do things. And he seemed to have lost his compassion for the animals. Like he wanted to get in and out of the room, it seemed, as quickly as possible and get me or if there was another vet tech available in there as soon as possible. And I don't know the extent of everything that he was doing or not doing, but the Veterinarian Association ended up shutting him down. Mm. So I suspect he got into the field for his love of animals and stress slowly but surely ended up shifting his perspective and how he was seeing his work.
0: Yeah, and he was the only vet on staff. So that was probably even more of an issue for him because he couldn't, you know, tag team with another vet.
1: Right. And actually there was also a sister clinic. So he was going back and forth between the two clinics.
0: Oh gosh. It's a lot of work.
1: Yes. So there was also a 2019 study that was done in the journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association, which similarly showed that the rate of suicide was higher in veterinarians with men that were younger than 65 being affected. Mm. However, women both in clinical and non-clinical roles, were also being affected. That's sad. So that gives you a little bit of an insight about what is contributing to the mental health distress challenges that the veterinarian industry is dealing with. But it's not necessarily everything. So what else do you think might be leading to the mental distress that the veterinary industry is dealing with? Just
0: see emotions. I mean, it's gotta be emotionally taxing to be a vet when you see sick animals all the time and see them suffering. It's gotta be, it's gotta be hard. I don't know if I can do it. I mean, I can do it when it's my cat only because I know I have to, but to see like 20 pets a day, some with really, really sick illnesses and just some really bad ways. Animals, that get hit by cars. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be heart crushing.
1: Yeah. Compassion fatigue is definitely one of the big ones. They're taking care of sick and injured animals on a regular basis. And sometimes they also have to deal with abused and mistreated animals, mm-hmm. but this compassion fatigue can also end up being connected with the pet owners because the pet owners could be experiencing grief and shock. And so they're trying to support the pet owners as well with their emotions. Yeah. And then on top of that, when the pet owners are dealing with these emotions, sometimes they will lash out at the veterinary staff. Mm. So that's a that's a lot to compound and deal with. Yeah, it is. Another thing that is connected with the emotions is that the veterinarians have to face pet owners sometimes who want to euthanize their pets for conditions that could be managed with some kind of treatment, but they either choose not to or don't want to spend the money on the treatment that's needed. But there's also the difficult clients to deal with. There are unfortunately some pet owners who will accuse veterinarians of being money hungry or greedy or whatever term you want to associate with that and you know if you are one of those people who have ever had those kind of thoughts you might want to refer back to our podcast episode that talks about understanding your veterinarian and what all contributes to their costs to give you a better understanding of that there also seems to have been an increase in client demands. Changes in attitudes towards veterinary care, increasing costs, and again, dealing with people who are not able to actually afford the care for their animals, which could end up sometimes leading to euthanasia, could end up providing very limited treatment, or in some cases, abandonment. Can't be easy. No. Just can't be easy. There is also a possibility that it could start with the heavy competition to get into veterinary schools in the first place. So the people who do manage to get accepted may perhaps have a certain type of personality that could lead to anxiety or depression. So people who are maybe trying to be perfectionists, they struggle to be able to relax. They might always be doing something and, you know, not feeling like it's okay to just sit down for a little bit. They might be people who are just not able to let go of things. They might be people who are comparing themselves on a regular basis to others.
0: Yeah, that brings to mind college students that are pushing themselves to the brim to get the best grades possible and to have the best thesis possible and become valedictorian and magna cum laude and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It seems like that type of energy is what keeps those that eventually get into these veterinary universities that upper hand, which that doesn't always lead to ideal veterinarians and vet techs. Mm -hmm. Like I think, I, I, I don't think, I mean, I understand like say human doctors, you know, getting into medical school, that's competitive. I get it. I get it. At least in my country, there's like 300 and I don't know, 46 million people. So we need a lot of doctors, but you don't need as many veterinarians as you do human doctors. And I think the veterinary universities and the schoolings need to adjust their entry levels to maybe, I don't know, allow for more of acceptees. I guess that's the word. I don't know. So you don't always have these high, strung A-type personalities getting in because they don't give up. You know, you get a nice blend of those with compassion and empathy Mm -hmm. because veterinarians need to have the combination of scientific skill and intellect and compassion and empathy. Mm -hmm. You can't have one without the other and be a good vet. That's my opinion. And I think the industry needs to do something to allow more people acceptance into these schooling facilities.
1: But the thing is is there's actually not that many veterinary schools.
0: Yeah, that that's another problem.
1: So there's only a limited amount of people who can actually get into the veterinary profession. So there could be way more people. I mean, they're talking about a veterinarian shortage, but if they're limiting the amount of people who can actually get into the program, they're basically compounding that aspect of veterinarian shortage.
0: Yeah. It's like a double-edged sword, I guess, then mm-hmm. we need more veterinary colleges.
1: Yes. Another challenge is that veterinarians incur a great deal of debt from their schooling. It can be $110,000 to $347,000 and possibly even more now.
0: Wow. That's crazy. That's up there with medical doctors and lawyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know if that's a U.S. number because I know, you know, we tend to have more for-profit colleges than other places around the world. But
1: yeah, I believe that's just crazy. I I believe that's U.S. data. It's crazy. We need to do better. So with this kind of debt that veterinarians can end up having, a veterinarian's salary could end up causing them to struggle financially for most of their career. That's crazy. A lot of veterinarians apparently also struggle with having a healthy work-life balance or just a healthy balance overall.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, I can see that. My vet, she, I mean, I don't even know how she does it. She is there at the clinic for so many hours a day. And then she has to drive a significant distance to get home to sleep for a couple hours so she can go all the way back and Mm -hmm. work for another. I mean, I don't know how she does it. It's crazy. Yeah. The work-life balance is a struggle. Mm -hmm. It's a big time struggle.
1: They end up often working long hours, including weekends and evenings, just to make themselves available to care for your pet's needs. So they're likely not spending much time with their family, with their friends, or participating much in activities that could be enjoyable and relaxing for them. And they're probably not spending much time on their mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being.
0: got too much on their mind.
1: Mm Mm-hmm there has also typically been a lack of resources and support for any mental health challenges that they might experience. Plus, there's that perceived stigma and that lack of focus on Mm self-care. And lastly, the challenge could be the veterinary industry itself, because there are a lot of pushed views around the holistic and alternative treatments and vaccines And sometimes veterinarians, I think, feel forced to do things that go against what they feel is the best interest of the animal.
0: Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Especially, I don't know about other countries. I just know in our country, our government gets involved. And in my personal opinion, I think the more our government gets involved with the veterinary associations, the more they're forcing the vet to break their Hippocratic oath Mm -hmm. and that breaks my heart because if they don't do what the government says, they get blacklisted and that's wrong. Government should not be in the medical rooms of either animals or humans. It's really sad, Mm -hmm. it's really sad.
1: There was a social media post that I saw on LinkedIn that was sharing an article about a TV show that supposedly investigates issues from the public. And they apparently did an episode about veterinarians who charged what the owners viewed as astronomical fees to save the life of their French bulldog. However, this show did not seem to fully look into the issue. What do I mean by that? Well, what they did not investigate or communicate in their show was how much it actually costs the veterinarian, to provide the kind of care that they provided for this French bulldog. So they didn't talk about the provision of care that they provide in terms of paying for staff, building lease, equipment rentals, medications. They didn't talk about the time commitment that they had to put in to first figure out what the problem was, then figure out how to best treat it. They didn't talk about the stress and the compassion fatigue that these veterinarians experience in trying to help these animals. And it doesn't address the assumptions that are often made by the public about how the veterinarian industry is greedy and don't really care about the animals because they don't provide the care the animals need at a low cost.
0: That's ridiculous. There's just no way a dog can't sit there and say, oh, it hurts over here, doctor. So the amount of time it takes for a veterinarian to figure out the issue and then try to solve the issue or treat the issue, it's immense. Animals don't talk like you and I. They can't sit there and say, doc, my eye hurts. Can you please look over here? No, they got to figure out why an animal's in pain. Mm-hmm. So they got to do an entire body body observation and palpation. They have texts and they have people on, they, they consult. They, I mean, there's a lot that goes into these things. And I think- I, I'm kind of like you could tell I got a little agitated with the TV show. Like, if you're not showing that thing, how are we as like layman pet owners gonna understand why you charge what you charge? Like, we don't question the doctor cancer. I don't question the fact that it costs thousands of dollars to get me treated. Why should you question it for your animals? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand that. Sorry, I'm getting I, I'm triggered. I'm a little triggered because it it drives me nuts that it shows like that, that put animals in a situation where they cannot get the medical care they need. And you're always second guessing and you're always trying to do it the quick way and the shortcut way and all that. And you're causing the animal to suffer needlessly. Pay the freaking bill. Make sure you set up a, a savings account or have pet insurance. Or so, There's so many ways that you can take care of your animal medically stop questioning your veterinarians for why they charge what they charge just stop it and all of these tv shows that want to do stuff stop leaving things out all right i'm done being triggered let's get into (laughs) let's finish up this half because i it, it bothers me because it's 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 other humans that cause these problems because we're selfish by nature And we have to stop that. We have to stop that. We have to look at these people that are trying to help you. Let them do their job in the best way that they think they need to do to help your animal. All right. I'm done being triggered. Off the soapbox.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it's really important for us to note that the various challenges that we've mentioned so far may vary depending on individual circumstances and specific veterinarian settings. So not all veterinarians or vet techs may struggle with these things, but probably there's a lot that do. So addressing these challenges and promoting mental well-being within the veterinary industry is essential to ensure the overall health and effectiveness of our veterinary professionals.
0: Yes. Amen. Agree. Concur.
1: All the other words that go into it. (laughs) So when we come back, we're going to share with you some of the ways that the industry is choosing to help support these professionals, as well as some of the things that you can do yourself.
0: Good. Hopefully we're going to end on a higher note. (laughs) (laughs) So apologies for the heaviness of that, but these are some of the things that you need to understand as an animal guardian, as a pet owner, because veterinary care is so essential for your animal. So stick with us and we will lighten things up a little bit when we come back. See you in a bit. Hi, everyone. We hope you've been enjoying season three. It's been a great couple of years so far. Miranda and I just want to take a moment and thank you all for joining us on this journey and listening each and every week. We've got lots planned for you this season. Great interviews, great topics, and we're even building you a home on YouTube. If you want to help us out and be the first in line. Just head to YouTube, look for The Animal Files Podcast and hit that subscribe button. Or you can just head to the website, www.TheAnimalFilesPodcast.com. Now that that's out of the way, let's get back to the conversation. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with us. Yes, I know this is a heavy subject, but we're going to lighten things up a bit because there are things that the industry are doing to help these veterinary professionals. So we're going to get into that. I'm just going to toss it over to Miranda and she'll get this going.
1: Mm. So the industry has started developing a couple of ways to help support veterinary professionals. For example, in some locations, there has been an agency created for veterinarians where they work temporarily at various clinics to allow permanent veterinarians of a clinic to take some much needed time off or avoid having to work extremely long hours. So, if you're familiar with an employment agency, it works kind of like that.
0: It's like getting a relief vet.
1: Right. Also, in some areas, such as Arizona, veterinary school has been made much more affordable through a new loan repayment program, which offers up to $100,000 student loan reimbursement for new graduates. Wow. But the caveat of that is the graduates have to work in the state for at least Four years in a variety of sectors in order to qualify.
0: I think that's a fair toss up.
1: Mm -hmm. So, there isn't a lot at this moment that seems to be done in the industry, but at least it's a step forward.
0: Yeah, it's a start.
1: Yeah. But there's a lot of different things that you can do yourself to help offer support and help develop a brighter and better future for our veterinarians. Mm -hmm. First of all, acknowledge their efforts. Simple enough. Yeah. Show appreciation for the work that your veterinarians and the veterinary staff are doing on a daily basis. Recognize their dedication, their compassion, and their expertise that they are bringing to care for your animal. When we can express gratitude, we can help to boost their morale and help them to feel valued. Secondly, you can educate yourself, meaning, Take some time to learn more about the challenges that are faced by the veterinary professionals, such as the compassion fatigue, the burnout, and the emotional toll of dealing with these animal illnesses and euthanasia. When you can have a better understanding of their experiences, this will help to foster more empathy and help to guide your interactions with them. Try to be more supportive and understanding. If you have a pet, be mindful of the veterinarian team's workload, and the stress they may be under. Be patient and understanding if appointments might take longer than expected or if they cannot accommodate your immediate request. I mean, of course, if it's an emergency, they're gonna do their best to address it as soon as possible. But if it's not an emergency, you know, try to have a little bit of patience.
0: Yeah, try to at least match part of the empathy that the veterinarian and their staff are offering your pet. Just try to look at them through those eyes. Mm -hmm. Stop being selfish. They understand that you are concerned for your pet. They're not ignoring that if they have someone else's pet to take care of. Mm -hmm. Be kind to them. You are not their only client and they're trying their best. And they do a hundred percent understand the concern that you have for your animal. Don't treat them like they don't care and don't be selfish.
1: Right. I think one of the biggest follies in our society is that we have this mentality that our time is more important than anybody else's. And so if we have to take time off work or take time from whatever to take our pet to the vet, we feel like, well, I had to take the time to be here. So my time should be honored. I don't care about anybody else. I don't care what else is going on. My time should be honored. Yeah. That needs to stop. And I get that it can be frustrating. You know, if you've scheduled to take a couple of hours or something away from work to take your pet in and it ends up going longer, I understand that that can affect you. But unfortunately, there are things that are not always in our control and we need to shift our perspective to look at what's going on outside of us and not just what is affecting us personally. You know, if it's that big a challenge and it's not an emergency, maybe it's better for you to reschedule.
0: That goes into our next point. Just be supportive. Mm -hmm. Support them, understand them. You know, I know we've been talking about that a lot and we're definitely, you know, have said this several times, but
1: they need your support as much as you need their support. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's a two-way street. You know, as we mentioned in the first half, these professionals may be facing difficult situations or may have had to experience the loss of a patient. You know, as hard as it might be for somebody to lose their own pet, it's also really hard when you know you couldn't save an animal and however many animals that might end up being in a day.
0: Yeah, it was uh, just a quick little story. Again, I'm going to bring it down a little bit, but when I first found out that Maisie was dying, that kind of took me off guard. I thought she was just going in because we maybe she picked up a kitty cold while she was on her trip or whatever. Um, and then I get this massive, massive news that just, I mean, dropped me to my knees, literally dropped me to my knees. I was not expecting it. Um, and, you know, I have a very specific approach to being a cat mom. and when I got the news after she got her x-rays and everything, and I knew she was dying, they, I mean, my vet stayed there and let me be hysterical. And I knew that even though she was still professional and still that she was there with me. And I appreciated that. Even though I ended up bringing Maisie back home to spend the last two weeks in hospice care at home. And we didn't put her down right away because she wasn't really suffering. Uh, She didn't want that. She was there and she held that space for me. That's what vets do all the time. And we need to reciprocate that by understanding and giving them that emotional support from our end. I don't know how I would have gotten through that appointment that went a heck of a lot longer than she had thought it was going to. We had the one treatment room for hours. Um, My husband even had time to come up to me after he got off of work to be in the vet with me while I was in hysterics, trying to figure out what to do, and waiting for all these test results and whatever. My vet was there and held space for me the entire time, giving me that emotional support. We need to do that back for them. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's just... Because they're doing that for us every single time we have an issue with our animal. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not openly right in front of your face, their heart is in your heart at that moment. Because that's why they are doing the job that they're doing is because they care.
1: Yeah.
0: And we need to reciprocate the that emotional support.
1: Yeah. You know, and if you're in a place to be able to manage it, maybe consider opening yourself up and letting them see your openness and genuinely ask them, how are you doing today? Mm-hmm. They might not share with you what's going on, but if they can see that you are actually genuinely caring about how they're doing, that can be very supportive.
0: Yeah. It goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Simple empathy yeah. goes a long way.
1: And if they do share anything with you, just try to listen without judgment. We, it's a very hard thing for us humans to do to listen without judgment because we often let our own experiences, our own beliefs and all of that come in when we're listening to somebody. And so even when we're not saying it, it's still usually running through our mind. So just try your best. Another thing you can do is start advocating for mental health resources. Look for initiatives that you can support that help to prioritize mental health in the veterinary industry. Encourage veterinary clinics to implement mental health programs and provide resources for their staff. Promote awareness campaigns and fundraisers that aim to address mental health issues within the profession. Most of us have social media or use social media. It's pretty easy to create a post Just a basic post that helps to bring awareness to the mental health challenges in the veterinarian industry so that we can just bring more awareness if we can get more people to create these posts and share them with their audience, which will hopefully, you know, if you create something that has enough impact, then maybe it'll get shared more and more and more. I think
0: that's a good idea. Hmm. Publicly thank your vet course that could backfire because somebody else would be like, Oh, I want to go to your vet. And then I get more busy, but,
1: <laughs> but at least yeah. the appreciation,
0: <laughs> at least the appreciation is out there.
1: Right. You know, maybe you try to keep your complaints privately and not share that on social media.
0: Especially if you appreciate your vet for what they do, you know, weigh the pros and the cons. If you've got a lot of great things Focus on those.
1: Share your positive feedback with others. You know, when we're talking with our friends or family or social media or whatever, we tend to be more focused on sharing our quote unquote bad experiences and not really sharing our positive experiences. So maybe we can try to reverse that. Mm -hmm. Good idea. Yeah. Positive reviews and recommendations can boost morale and help to attract new clients if they need them. (laughs) (laughs) and can help to contribute to a supportive environment. You could consider donating or volunteering. So consider donating to organizations that provide mental health support to veterinarians or offer financial assistance for mental health services. You could even volunteer your time or skills to these organizations and help them to provide the valuable resources to those who are in need of them. And I already mentioned this, but spread awareness. Use your platform, whether it's social media or personal connections, to help raise the awareness about these mental health challenges that are facing our veterinary professionals. You could share relevant articles, resources, stories, and all of these can help to break the stigma that is surrounding mental health and help to encourage open conversations instead of people keeping it to themselves. You know, how many suicides occur with their loved ones thinking, oh, I didn't even know they were suffering. Yeah. That happens a lot. Yeah.
0: They're getting professional. You're not going to know, but I think it is just common human decency. When you know that somebody who is providing service to you has a really busy schedule that you provide empathy and compassion to them, Mm -hmm. whether you know what's going on or not, it doesn't matter. It's common human decency. You brought your animal to somebody else who wants to help you and they're trying to help you be decent, be kind, be supportive, be compassionate. I mean, you should do it with all of your fellow humans, but right. And all your fellow animals, I should add, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's just common decency. They're a human being just like you Mm -hmm. treat them the way you would like to be treated. That golden rule. Mm -hmm. And that is the best way to support these professionals. They're doing their best with very limited resources at sometimes, limited knowledge at sometimes, because animals have mysterious illnesses all of the time. They never know until they do a barrage of tests, which can get expensive. But if you want to help your animal, you need to support your vet. If you're willing to do what it takes to make sure your animal is healthy then you need to also be willing to give your veterinarian and their vet techs grace.
1: If we want our veterinarians to truly provide the best care for our animals and be able to continue providing this care for years to come, then we really need to seek out ways that we can help them to be of sound mind, feel happy and content with their choice of profession, as well as feel like they are making a positive difference.
0: Yeah, because if you think about it, they are making a positive difference. Just because you may not see it because you're in an emotional turmoil because your animal's sick or hurting or in pain or something like that, it, that doesn't negate that.
1: So supporting the mental health of the veterinary industry is going to be an ongoing effort, and we can all do something to help with that. Small acts of kindness and understanding can have a significant impact on the well-being of our veterinary professionals and the care that they provide to our animals.
0: Yeah, it's important. They're doing their best. We have to remember that. We just have to remember the stress that they are put under, the amount of clients that they may have to see on a daily basis, the amount of situations. Because the one thing that I think sets veterinarians apart from medical doctors is in our human world, you have medical doctors for different types of things. You'll have an oncologist, you'll have an obtyn. you'll have a epidemiologist, you'll have a endocrinologist, you'll have, you'll have all of these different doctors that chose a specific section of the medical profession. And then you have veterinarians. Every veterinarian is a surgeon, is a dentist. <laughs> they are an oncologist. You know, a lot of them are doing their own x-rays, which makes them their own radiologist, They are doctors of all trades. Mm -hmm. And so they have an incredibly huge workload, knowledge load, research load, because it's just them. I mean, yeah, you might have your specialist veterinarians, but the majority of your basic everyday clinic veterinarian has to know a wide range of medical professions. So let's keep that in mind. They have a heavy workload. They're doing everything they can to help your animal be healthy and managing your expectations at the same time. So I'm going to say it again. Give them grace. Be kind to them. Don't be selfish. And just be understanding and compassionate because they truly are doing what they know to be best in their current situation. That's my final thought.
1: Do you have any final thoughts? So... With all of the suggestions that we mentioned, what will you choose to do to help support our veterinarians? I'll leave it at that.
0: I like it. So that's about all we have for you today. And thank you so much for sticking with us. I know this is a heavy topic, but there are things that we can do to help. And hopefully this episode empowers you to support your veterinarian and their staff. And if you have any questions, please feel free to email us at theanimalfilespodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to reach out to us on our socials, just head over to our website. All the links are there. And that is theanimalfilespodcast.com. There's lots for you there. And you can directly reach out to us from there too. And with that, we are going to leave you for another episode. And we will see you all next week on the Animal Files podcast. Bye for now.